This week on the Habs Forum, another pathetic effort by the Montreal Canadiens. On the day we're recording, we're recording this right after the Calgary game. Last week we recorded right after the Toronto game, and they they, they both were terrible efforts. And honestly, I, I'm thinking, Dustin, we have to stop doing this because it just makes me not want to do the podcast. I we should have recorded yesterday. The Toronto game was fun, so we could have we, we could have recorded on a high. But no, now we're going to be negative again. Just such a pathetic effort. Just clearly one team fighting for the playoffs and the other team just not even showing up. Anyways, it's pathetic. We're obviously going to talk about that. Trade deadline has passed since uh, the last uh, uh, last episode. I mean, uh, more trades than I expected to see. Not not from the Canadians necessarily, but uh, over overall. There were a few a few moves that happened for sure. Uh, Canadians, small moves, what we expected. Uh, so we'll touch on that. And, and some positives. Some positives. Cole Caulfield, since our last podcast, his professional debut in uh, in Laval, and uh, he's he's looking good. He's the only thing Habs fans can hold on to right now is uh, is Cole Caulfield. But now the Marlies, uh, of course, Toronto's got to ruin, ruin everything for us. The Marlies are getting shut down because of COVID, which means Cole Caulfield's not scheduled to play for all. So we can't even enjoy watching him. So there's nothing to enjoy anymore. So we'll talk about that too. And first, Dustin, though, tell me who's our sponsor today. Yeah, so uh, Habs Forum is still brought to you by Manscaped.com, the new Weed Whacker 3.0 in the, uh, or sorry, the Lawnmower 3.0 in the Weed Whacker. Two fantastic products. The Lawnmower 3.0 that they sent to us, I mean, I love it. I know you love it too. It has mm-hmm. You had the LID, LED light on it so you don't cut yourself. I've ne- I never actually cut myself with this, so I mean, that's it's pretty fantastic. Definitely, you know, with the summer coming too, Always a good idea to get clean shaved. Not that, uh, you know, might not be able to go to the bars, but uh, but who knows? If you're on Tinder or whatever, <laughs> picking up the ladies, get the <laughs> get some, some Manscaped products. Definitely helps. All right. So let's, uh, let's get into it. So, I mean, we're not going to go over all the games since the last podcast, but outside of the Leafs game, it was all, it was all pathetic. Two losses against Winnipeg, uh, 4-2 on Thursday, and 5 nothing. On Saturday, I mean, I, I feel like I barely remember the. I, I must have checked out fairly early for that five nothing loss, considering it was five nothing. Uh, and then they give us hope with a actually fantastic performance against the Leafs, four two win. But this yeah. game tonight. Oh. oh my God! Yeah, you know, you you talked about it before about us not doing the po- <laughs> not doing post game podcast. I th- I'm pretty sure every time we've done this this season, they've lost. I think they're like 0 and 3 or 0 and 4, so maybe we should stop doing this post game episode. I mean, if we if we were to do it next, well, actually, we we're not, we're definitely not doing it next week because uh, it's a West Coast trip and it's nine o'clock and ten o'clock games. So there you go, there you go, Habs fans. If you're superstitious, <laughs> we're not going to be doing this next week. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean that that's the sad thing, you know. I mean, we saw basically this week in the, in these last two games the best of the Montreal Canadiens and the worst of the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. Yeah, like what? Like a, a great game against Toronto. Um, you know, I mean, they got off to a great start. You know, they sort of, I mean, they they let Toronto get back into the game. But I mean, I love the characters they showed after Toronto tied it up. Yeah, they came came right back. Josh Anderson scored to uh, to retake the lead about I think like a minute and a half after. Yeah, not so, long after. Yeah. You know, I mean, great great stuff by them to come back or. Well, not to come back, but to, to to retake that lead and come away with the win. I mean, Toronto played 
you know, they they really didn't play too bad. I mean, Toronto was buzzing there late in the game, and 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 they found a way to win it. And at the end of the day, like Toronto, no matter what, like we can hate on them all we want and and say like we think they're top heavy or maybe their defense needs to work. They have a far superior team to, to the Canadians. So to be able to, to put up that type of performance against the Leafs, it, 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 it's a positive. And even though like if you if you were to ask the Leafs fans, a lot of Leafs fans on Twitter felt like it was a bad performance from the Leafs. But I feel like we don't talk enough about how like a bad performance sometimes comes from the other team playing well. I think the Canadians did a good job of kind of shutting the, them down. I mean, but you saw how quickly in that Leaf game. The talent they have, that goal, not the not the the tie-in goal, but the the Matthews goal off that beautiful pass from Varner, and it's just how, how quickly they had nothing going on in that game, at least until that moment, and then you give them an inch of space, and those two can can create something like that. So, uh, it just just even though they won, it, it, uh, there was moments like that that really reminded us that the likely first round matchup for the Montreal Canadiens is going to be a very difficult one, and if today's game against the Flames is any indication of the type, type of hockey team the Canadians have. It's not going to be a very long series either. <laughs> no, that's for sure. I mean, yeah, just a terrible effort. And it, let's not forget, Calgary just played Toronto last night. Yeah. You know, it was it was a tough game. I mean, they were playing, you know, I'm sure it was an emotional game too. I mean, they were playing against their former goaltender that, that they traveled to Toronto with. Yeah. Ended up playing against them. They ended up winning in overtime. So, you know, in, not in Toronto, which means they had yeah. to travel to Montreal. Canadians just chilling at home. Just chilling at home. I mean, uh, and then for them just to come out like so flat, yeah. like it just, I mean, like you said, it was a pathetic effort. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, aside from Josh Allen. What yeah, you, yeah, now you did it. You made fun of me last time. Josh oh, Allen. God damn it. <laughs> Jake aside Allen, of course, Jake the quarterback Allen. of uh, the Buffalo Bills is not playing for the Montreal Canadiens. Maybe he'd be good, though. You never know. Well, Dan, I mean, I think Josh Allen, uh, you know, the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, put in a better effort than the Canadians tonight, even though <laughs> I'm whatever sure. he was doing, <laughs> whatever he was doing, he was probably doing a better effort than the Canadians were tonight. But aside from Jake Allen, I mean, yeah. who else? And I feel bad for him. No goal support. He gets no goal support ever. No, that's crazy. I don't know what it is that they just don't, don't seem to want to score for Allen, but uh no, I mean, it's hard. I can't think of really any positives tonight. I mean, who really had a good game? You know, I mean, I Kulak mean, I, with the goal. Kulak, even without the goal, I thought he looked he looked pretty yeah. good. I mean, the one thing I will say, I mean, this is this is no excuse, and it's an unacceptable fault. They didn't start that before the goal. Well, the goal happened pretty quickly, but Anderson did hit that post. If that goes in, that's that maybe that can 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 change the game completely. It just seems that this team, and we see it in in the uh, on the record. I mean, they they won after get being down recent. I think it was against Edmonton a week ago, right? When they won in overtime after being down one nothing, and it was only the second time all year that they that they came back from being this team. And I think it's because teams just know how to shut down the, the Canadians. And it's 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 as soon as they get the lead. They're just such an easy team to shut down and prevent the team from creating any sort of offense. And then it makes for these incredibly boring games where nothing happens. And then eventually Shea Weber passes it to the other team and they score. That's... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, they really didn't have too many quality chances tonight. I mean, obviously, like you said, uh, Josh Anderson had the chance early on in the game. You know, if, I mean, if he would have scored on that, probably would have been a different game. But I yeah. mean, aside from that, I'm, I'm trying hard to think of a really good chance, really. Can't really think of anything. 
No, I, after honestly, it feels like nothing happened after that. But honestly, it just and and look at the thing is is it would still take almost a miracle for the Flames to to pass the Canadians in the standings. But they very well could, still could. They they're only the Canadians are only four points ahead of the Flames after this loss. Still have three games in hand, sure. But the way this team is playing, and and Calgary seems to be going in the other direction, and there's still quite a few games against uh, against Calgary coming up. I mean, it's just and the thing is, is they're gonna the Canadians are gonna end up making the playoffs in the last game of the year when it, when it, when it should have been in the bag a month ago. On off an OT loss. That's what's going to happen. They're going to lose the last game of the season in overtime, but that extra point is going to be enough to, to to pass the Flames, and they're going to make the playoffs with more losses than wins because they're going to have 25 OT losses, and then they're going to get swept by the Leafs. <laughs> yeah, that's that sort of uh, sort of seems to be the where, where we're headed in the direction at this point. Uh, yeah, I mean, like like I can understand that obviously for Calgary. And we obviously saw it in the way that they played tonight. It was basically a must win for them. Yeah. I mean, and they believe that that's a team that believes they can still make the playoffs. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, they, they have, a, like you said, a bunch of games coming up against the Canadians that, you know, if they if, if they win each and every one of these games, yeah, which exactly. I mean, obviously the way that they played tonight, they can. They, they could potentially surpass the Canadians. And there's just before the end of the month, there's four games coming up against against Calgary. I mean, and then Saturday, there's giving it's Ottawa, who we can't beat for some reason. Next week, the Canadians are playing Edmonton, which is one team they've matched up well against. But at the same time, one of these games, the like the, the that power duo on Edmonton's gonna is gonna wake up, and I just, I, just I, I I can't stand this team. We can't put two good games in a row. Like it, it just it almost pisses me off more that they play well played well on Monday. Because it's just, it's just like teasing us. I don't know. Like, I can't stand it. It's like, because they they should be so much better. I mean, the, I I re- like they are the team that they pl- that, that that played the Leafs on Tuesday. You know, I mean, they on paper they really we really have a good team. See, see I don't entirely agree with you because I I like the forward group, but like I said at the beginning of the year, my biggest worry was defense, and 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 it's it's showing that's still the problem. The, this team is built around. An aging, slow Shea Weber who is a fraction of the player he he used to be. I mean, Shea Weber, I honestly think from the moment he joined the Canadians has been overrated by the fan base. And now he's even worse than that. Like he was fine before. People acted like he was way better than he was. And now he's fallen off uh, a tremendous amount. But he still it's it honestly seems like. It's a problem for like Jashama as, as a rookie coach. I'm wondering if he's having a hard time coaching a guy like Shea Weber. Like he, he, I'm wondering if he's unable to tell this veteran who was closer in age with him than Shea Weber probably is with Kutkinyemi. I don't know if that's true, but it seems like it is. And and he just can't. Like he shouldn't be playing the minutes he's playing right now, but I feel like Dushan can't tell that to Weber, and Weber won't take it. And Weber was asked earlier because we saw him play well coming back from the from the quarantine week off uh, for for a few games. I mean, clearly the rest did him well. And someone someone asked him if he would consider. Uh, you see it a lot in basketball where the the veteran players tend to take like take games off, and just get a healthy scratch, just just as a rest just to be ready for the playoffs. And Shea Weber shut that down completely. And just to me, that that tells me that he just, he doesn't understand what he's become and he's refusing to accept it. 
And that that's a recipe for disaster because I think Wade, Shea Weber could still be a useful player like we've talked about on this podcast if you change the way you use him. If you keep using him like he's a number one defenseman, he's going to be a liability for this team and we would be better off if we didn't have him. No, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you know, we talked about this before the show. I mean, you, I think he's really fallen off. I mean, I think nobody's going to argue that he's fallen off a cliff last year. Um, you know, you think you you said that, you know, you thought that he was really bad last season as well. I mean, I, I, mean, no, I, I didn't say really bad. It's just that he wasn't that good. Like okay. he, he, I mean, I, I, I like even last year, Petrie was already a better defenseman than him, than him. I think he like it's it's been a steady decline for Shea Weber and it's fallen off a cliff completely this year. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was he 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 was still pretty solid last season. I thought, um, but I mean, the the fall like literally off a cliff. Like I I it's like when was the last time like we saw a player that took that regressed this much in one season? I mean, I I'm I hard pressed well, to think of one. Uh, I, I, it might might be the the condensed schedule. Uh, I mean, it's 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 definitely possible, but. But if it is that, then I get back to my point of maybe he's just someone who needs to take a game off here and there. But it sounds like he refuses to accept that. And and if and and if or if even if it's not taking a game off, have a game where he's played much less minutes. You know where you know the Edmonton and Petrie uh, duo can can take over. And and once quarantine is over for for the new acquisitions for the Canadians and Gustafson and and and, and Merrill, like I don't think they're going to be saviors or depth defensemen. Don't get me wrong, but it's a perfect opportunity to have some rotation. Like Sherratt's coming in. There's there's a lot of NHL caliber defensemen that are going to be available to this team, but not a lot of top defensemen. And and to me, what you do with that, especially in a condensed schedule, is you shuffle things around and you give players rest and you, you, you put in different players on different nights. I mean, I don't want to see Wellette playing anymore. I mean, he had a breakout pass today where, I mean, like you can barely call it a breakout pass. He banked it off the board, even though he had about the entire half of the ice to skate up and then we, they just lost. like he's just not an nhl player i think he's fine for the rocket he's just not an nhl player take him out, out of the lineup and then add the three other pieces and just have a rotation going and i think it'll it'll do to the team better but if, if shea weber can't accept that and if dusham is unable to tell him this is what's happening then it's going to continue to falter yeah no uh yeah obviously he he i mean it's well i mean no no player is going to say yeah, you know what? You're right. I think I need to play less, right? I mean, but but I mean, maybe you're right. You know, I I think it, maybe he's having trouble accepting accepting that uh, that that role. And Duchamp, you know, being being that younger sort of coach, maybe you're right. Maybe he is having trouble. I I I mean, I I really think that he's not. You know, he he he's not really the the, the room doesn't appear to be listening to him that yeah. much. I mean, you know, I. I like basically like a week or two after, you know, I mean, we were singing praises of Duchamp when he first got hired. I mean, you know, we saw some positives, but and it's it seems like they've gone right back down to where they were before. The thing with Duchamp is I do see a difference in the game plan and in and, and, and the way they play, and I do prefer it to, to Julien, but I'm seeing the same thing as we saw with Julien as far as like use the usage of the players, right? Where we're seeing too many minutes for the same players and the, 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 the same kind of like, players to playing top minutes that shouldn't and and, th and things like that and it's just I, i'm really starting to wonder and like you look back at the last two coaches that were fired by by bergevin and i mean it's all rumors but it definitely sounds like the quote-unquote leadership group on this team which is 
basically Shea Weber has a say in those things happening. I mean, who knows what's true and what isn't, but I mean, I would be shocked to find out Shea Weber didn't have a, a something to say about at the very least Claude Julien getting fired. Now, if that's a fact and Jusham is aware of this and he is now, I mean, he can seem all cool and calm in, in his press conferences. At the end of the day, th- he just got his dream job on a temporary kind of like on a, uh, what, what do you call it? He's an interim head coach. I would assume this is his dream job, coaching the Montreal Canadiens. And he maybe he's just he's just so scared of pissing off the, the veteran group because he's seen them get other player coaches fired that he's just kind of go doing what they need to. But then that, that's that's a recipe for disaster. So I. I yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to say exactly what's going on, but I mean, you know, for me, I thought when when and I mean, at least we we saw it in the beginning when Duchamp came in as head coach, you know, it seemed like okay, the kids are finally going to get their yeah. chance, but that's not really what we've been seeing. I mean, you you've seen, I mean, Lekkinen, I guess he's not really okay, but I mean, he's still one of the younger yeah. younger core players for the for the, you know for the Canadians, and and he was benched for how many games in a row? Yeah, and definitely undeservedly. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we've seen Kucky Niemi. He's definitely getting more chances, I guess. He, I mean, he's certainly getting uh, time at the power play, but now he's playing the wing. Like, I, I mean, I don't, for me, definitely, I think that's, that's ridiculous. Well, that didn't last too long at, at the very least. I mean, he was, he was, back, he's been back at center the last, last few yeah. games. Yeah. But I, I, in my opinion, you should never be, a, he should never be on the wing. He, he should be the center. I mean, he's, he's the future number one center of the Canadians for the next, yeah. you know, decade, uh, uh, if not longer. 100%. And here's the thing that I think I try to focus on more. I think going into this season, maybe we had unrealistic expectations of the type of jump this team was going to make compared to, to last year. The problem on defense is still there. But the one positive here, I do think the young core of this team has a potential to grow into a contender. But that's not the 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 team that the the Montreal Canadiens is going to contend is not the Shea Weber Montreal Canadiens, and it might not be the Carey Price Montreal Canadiens. It's it's Montreal. It's the 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 Suzuki, uh, and and Primo when he makes it to the to the big team, and and Caulfield, and if if one of those defensemen like break out in Norland or, or or Harris if he if he comes over Romanov, like those young guys, that's the next core of the Canadians that's going to be able to truly compete and i'm, I'm think i i think we'd be better off if in the offseason i don't think it's going to happen i think it's a, a contract that's almost impossible to get rid of but pair price i don't mind so, so much he bounced back i don't think it's bad for primo to have like to be playing like next to him and all that but shea weber i think this team is better off if he's off this team and then the the, the focus can really be on this young core growing together and becoming the good team I think they can become in three, four years. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, uh, yeah, Weber at this point, I mean, you know, with that cap hit, it's, it's not doing us any favors either. You know, we're trying to keep some of the guys yeah. like Dano and Tatar. I mean, you know, uh, if, if we want to keep them, I mean, I think they've, they've definitely shown some, um, you know, a little bit more than they did at the beginning of the year. Uh, but like you said, I mean, that's, it's going to be basically impossible to move that contract. Um, the one one thing about Shea Weber's contract is, though, I believe next year he's making his actual dollar amount that he's making, I believe, is four million next year. Which I'm just going to pull that up now. I believe it's four million next year and then it goes down to one million. No, that's not starting yet. Next year, it's still six. 
Uh, and then the year after that, it's three. Yeah. And then okay. it's one million. Yeah. Okay. So it so it's 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 still six million next year, but then the year after it goes down to three million. Do you think Shea Weber's going to be playing for three million dollars a year? I don't know. I would like. I don't want to bank on that. Is the thing. You know? Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. And, and, and like, uh, maybe he, maybe he wouldn't. Maybe, maybe he will. I, I, at, I don't at the know. Same time, I just... You know, at the same time though, he he seems like a proud kind of guy. That if it, I think, you know, obviously he doesn't want to be, you know, cutting down any of his minutes. But at the same time, I mean, if if he sees himself obviously not playing up to his standards that he was once playing at yeah you know maybe, maybe he decides to retire but but, but we're, we're kind of we're very much speculating as if we're yeah, inside no, Shea sure. weber's head because he he also comes off as a very proud person who can't accept that he's falling off <laughs> and maybe he's going to be still playing four years from now making one million skating as slow as you and me skate and then thinking he's still contributing to the team. Like who, who knows, <laughs> who who knows how, how it's going to go. Like, I, I don't think that's necessarily that what's, uh, what's going to happen, but it's just, and the thing though, it, I, I don't think that contract would be impossible to move. I think there's that just, first of all, there's a whole idea that it's lower salary, higher cap. It, some teams like that. He still has that leadership reputation. I mean, you just look at, at at the rankings before the season, how the Canadians defense, people were ranking as the best defense in the division and ranking Shea Weber as the best defenseman in the North division. Some people were, it's like people still think Shea Weber is a, a, a fantastic defenseman. And and I and, and I know he fell off the cliffs this year, but he he already wasn't the best defenseman in the North Division before the season this season started. I I do think there's GMs out there that would make the move for Shea Weber. However, do I think Marc Bergevin will ever trade Shea Weber? No, I do not. I I don't think Marc Bergevin will ever make that move. And if we really want this team to take that step, I, I, in fact, I think Bergevin is going to protect him. For the expansion draft, which is preposterous, uh, and uh, I just it, it, the team has to move on. If the team's going to make these changes we're talking about and focus more on the young core, it's not going to be with Belshevin. Mm, you think? Well, I mean, you got to like honestly. If first of all, if the Canadians don't make the playoffs this year, which I mean, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm pretty sure they're going to make the playoffs regardless. They could, but, but yeah, yeah. Let's say. If they don't, I mean, he. There's no way that he keeps his job. You have to think he has to be gone. He has, to, and and has we're to. the podcast that was saying he deserved GM of the year at the beginning of this season, and we're well, telling I think you. A lot of people were. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Say. But, but like, uh, he has to be gone if they miss the playoffs. He basically, he he himself has said he expects this team to win. He expects the, the he has. This is his best effort, basically. Is what he's saying. He, he he spent to the cap. This is his second five-year plan coming to fruition, and this is what we're seeing. And you know, he, what what if they stumble into the playoffs, barely squeak in, even though they had this huge lead? The only reason they have these this lead, by the way, is because one the the billion OT losses, and two the the crazy start. In the last thirty games, they've only won ten games. It's it's really this, the beginning of the year that, that's really propelling this team. But, but let's say they stumble into the playoffs, barely barely pass like the Calgary Flames. Like the Flames almost catch up to the Canadians, and then they lose in four or five. I'm not much more satisfied with the season than if they miss the playoffs. You know what I mean? No, 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 for sure, for sure. Uh, I I don't. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if that if that'll be enough to get them fired. 
Um, you know, if they do make the playoffs and they stumble out, you know, in four against the Leafs, um, the thing is, I mean, like, obviously, like, it's, it's going to be tied to how the Canadians perform, but, like, I can't really argue with the moves that he's made, like, yeah. it, like at least in the offseason. But at the end of the day, you know, I mean, it's all about performance, well, right? So. Where I can argue is for the last three, since Markov left, basically, this team's weakness has been defense. I've been saying it nonstop on this podcast, and he has not improved it. He has made some minor sideways moves, bringing guys like Ben Sherratt and Joel Edmondson, and now John Merrill and Eric Gustafson, Brett Kulak, like guys like that. That on a good NHL team, these guys are 5-6. You know what I mean? Like, on a team that's expecting to compete in the playoffs, these are these are all bottom-pairing guys. But we're, they're expected to play top-pairing minutes on the Montreal Canadiens. Like, he, he really and – I, I know he's tried to make those moves. And, and here's the thing with Bergevin, too. We can say we don't disagree with any of these moves, but let's not forget how lucky he has been. Because all a lot of these contracts that, that these players that he didn't sign that we know for a fact he, he like he admitted he tried to sign but they decided to sign elsewhere and 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 look we wanted him to sign them too like we're no better but I mean we're not the GM of the Montreal Canadiens but these players chose to sign elsewhere and so many of these contracts are now terrible contracts this team could be in a much worse position if Bergevin was able to sign everyone he has tried to sign since he has been a GM of the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, definitely guys like Andrew Ladd and Milan Lucic. Yeah, for sure, we could be in a bad position. I mean, that's a good point too. Um, you know, it's anyway. At the end of the day, it's it's it. You know, it's it, it's going to be depending on how the how the Canadians perform here in the last couple of games. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I mean, I mean, I'll, hey, I mean, I'll be the first to admit if they go on a four game winning streak, I'll be like, Benjamin is the best GM in the world. You know, we're a very fickle have <laughs> the fan base. You know. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, it, it, it's. I think he he has put the Canadians in a good position with all the young players. But yeah, like you said, I mean, he might not be around for, yeah. for when when it comes yeah. to fruition. No, I'll I'll give him that. I do like I love the young core he has built, and I do think I, I do I do see hope moving forward uh, once we get past the kind of Shea Weber era. But uh, so, it really might be a situation where he loses his job, and then that next guy gets the credit for the team he built. You know. The the one thing that I don't that, that I'm not crazy about Bergevin this season is like I like the whole uh, I think the okay obviously he had to get rid of Claude Julien I think the timing wasn't great because again it was, he got fired like right after the Canadians had that week off you know we talked about that where you know it probably would have been would have been a lot better if uh, Duchamp would have had a week to put an implemented system and then right after that the whole Stefan weight firing like all the weirdness behind that yeah that to me I, I don't know like I I just got like a, kind of a sense of desperation from him. 100% desperation he's a desperate man uh, for sure and I honestly I am so relieved that that desperation didn't translate to him making a dumb move at the deadline so no. I, I will give him credit for that and even if he might think his job's on the line I think he does have a respect and and and, and like a love for this team that he, because we've seen GMs in, in his position in the past sell the farm to just have one last shot and maybe not losing their job, and he didn't do that. And I and I do 
I do appreciate that because yeah. I mean, can you imagine the riots? Imagine like he makes a trade and moves Cole Caulfield. Oh my God! Imagine, imagine he trades Cole Caulfield for like Ekholm or something. <laughs> oh man! And we've but, seen those uh, trades happen. We've seen yeah. those trades happen from other other GMs. Well, for sure. I mean, well, even I mean, just take a look at the Anthony Mantha trade. I mean, yeah. you know, we would have loved to have get Anthony Mantha, but man, they paid a lot to get him, and no way would I wanted to no, would I want no to way. give up what they gave up. But but then that, that's a completely different kind of it's it's the it's yeah. the like yeah. the Washington Capitals. They are like they, they 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 probably talk about Ovechkin like we talk about Weber, but Ovechkin can actually still score goals, you know. So like there is still a window open there for the Capitals that they can make a last run for the Cup. So. I, I see value in over, and some people for, also for the lease might say they overpaid for Foligno. Like I wouldn't have wanted to pay what the lease paid for Foligno, but I think it's a good move for the Leafs to make you think that. That was a good move, man. They they paid a lot. For, like, I, yeah, but the, the, that the, when you're at that window, you're actually truly, and the Leafs are, and Washington is. The Leafs are have a, a giant window open for them right now. Like I hate to say it, but I mean the division is theirs for the taking. I mean we've seen them. Flub it in the playoffs for sure, but this this Leafs team should easily get out of this division, and then you're in the conference final. Like you're you're very close, and a guy like Foligno with the kind of like leadership he brings, he's not that old yet, and it's it's just the kind of piece that really can make a huge difference in the playoffs. And I get they paid a big price, but they have the team. The team is there right now. You know what I mean? Like the, the, those first overall picks and all that, they don't have the same value anymore. Like once again, I wouldn't want the Canadians to make that move because I don't think we're a move like that away from from and making any sort of noise in the playoffs. But if I'm a Leafs fan, I'm not mad at losing what I'm expecting to be a very late first round pick for Nick Foligno. Like I don't care. No, de- no, no, I definitely agree with that. I mean, they they definitely had to go all in here. But I mean, I think they could have got a better player than Nick Foligno. Who? I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. Who? Taylor Hall? No, they couldn't have got <laughs> Taylor Hall. We know that Taylor Hall. Did, didn't want to go anywhere else in Boston. He basically, basically handcuffed the the like, Why wouldn't he want to go? Like, why wouldn't he want to go home? Like, that's, it, that's weird. It, it's why would? Are you serious? Have you not followed Taylor Hall's career? He said after being traded to Boston that he, he one of the reasons he signed in Buffalo is because Jack Eichel is there and he didn't want to be the best guy in his team anymore. That he was the best. He was seen as the best guy for a long time in Edmonton and then and then in New Jersey. He doesn't like that that pressure. He doesn't like that kind of limelight. Going to Toronto might be – I bet you Taylor Hall wakes up and sweats having nightmares that he's playing for the for the Toronto Maple Leafs and goes like a couple games without scoring and and then he's getting bashed in the media. That, that is his worst nightmare. <laughs> I, I'm he's convinced. He's one of those guys. Like it, He's such a talented player, but I mean we all know every t- any yeah. any team that he plays for just that just t- is terrible. Well, did you see yeah. the the stat that uh, I forget who tweeted it out, but what, like I think maybe a beat writer for uh, uh, for Buffalo or something. So Taylor Hall in the last two seasons has the most breakaways in the NHL, but has scored on none of them. What? Yeah. None of them. What none the of them. That, that is I, I, I mean, like we get so frustrated when we see Paul Byron flub those chances but then we remind ourselves eh, it's paul byron like what do we expect but like imagine you see those chances constantly with taylor hall and he just can't finish oh my that would drive me crazy jeez i mean brett kulak can score in a breakaway how hard <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least we got that like light you know moment 
Like it was his first goal in like two years, and he scores it on the breakaway. It was nice. Uh, I'm interested to see what Taylor Hall is going to do in Boston. See if yeah. it works out. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not sure who because they have that 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 top line is kind of set in stone there with Bergeron, um, Marshawn, and uh, Pasternak, That's right? So, so I guess he just ends up playing with like Krejci or whatever. Uh, I mean, I, I, it's I, 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 it's not a bad place for him to go, and it sounds like he's always wanted to play in Boston. I mean, maybe he used to be a fan of Boston and all that, so he wanted to go there, and that is what it is. So, like to go back to what we were talking about, the Nick Foligno, like I don't know what else they could have added that got moved at the deadline that they could have got that would have been better than Nick Foligno. I, I think he's really a guy that can really help this team, and and it, it just that type of move, like I, I do, I like it for the Leafs, and 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 like the. I, I would be shocked if the Leafs don't, don't make it out of the uh, North Division, honestly. And it's crazy to say because we've seen them mess it up in the playoffs so many times. But it, they, I, I hate to say it, but they feel like that team, you know, like like the Chicago Blackhawks when they won the Cup with Taves and Kane. They didn't win it the first time Taves and Kane made the play. Like, you lose a few times with those players, and then they figure it out on one run. Yeah. And and Matthews and Marner, then you got Tavares and all these pieces. I mean, this this might be their year, and if it is, I might just stop being a hockey fan, honestly. Oh man, if they if they win the cup, man, oh my god. <laughs> Dude, if they make it to the final, whoever they're playing against, I think watching that final will be not as stressful, but close to as stressful as if the Canadians were there, because I'll so badly not want them oh. to win. Oh, for sure, definitely. But uh, anyway, let's get back to the Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, we've already touched on the deadline. Might as well talk about uh, that. Well, like, you talked about the Mantha trade, actually. Before we move on to the trades uh, can- the Canadians did, I saw a lot of people on Twitter angry. Because you said, like, that was a big, a lot that, the, that Washington paid for Mantha. Angry that the Canadians couldn't make that a similar move for Mantha. I mean, no. No, that would be such a stupid move. Like, what would be the equivalent? So you have the first and the second. And then they gave also Richard Panic and Jacob Vrana. Vrana is not a bad player. Like, what's the equivalent of Vrana? Like, Armia, maybe? Uh, I mean, I think I'd rather Vrana than Armia. Well, there uh, you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess sort of the equivalent. I mean, I believe Vrana is a little bit a little bit younger. Um, I mean, Panic was definitely just like a throw-in to the get throw, rid of his yeah. contract, right? So, so I mean, that's 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 basically like Paul Byron. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, Vrana. I mean, yeah. Uh, he had 52 points last year in 69 games, 47 points the year before. So, I mean, that's, uh, I don't know. What is there really? Oh, that, that's uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm underselling uh, Verona there. Yes. Yeah, so that's a lot better than ours. I don't even know who that the equivalent would be, but there's no chance I'd be willing to pay it. And of course it's because he's French Canadian. You have a lot of people Obviously. being like, you should sell the farm for any time. Any French Canadian with any type of talent is available. Obviously, but, I mean, uh, what uh, what the hell's his name there on uh, on TVS Sport? Uh, uh, Michel Bergeron said he would he would have given anything, anything, anything. For I mean, that, uh, that's that's ridiculous. I, I do think Mantha's going to do well in Washington, and, and oh, like I said, I don't think it's a bad move for them. I mean, he's he's going to thrive there. I mean, imagine going from playing on the Red Wings to playing on the on the Capitals, and first of all, you're hyped, and secondly, you're playing with way better players. Oh yeah. So he, sure. he, he I mean, might go on a run here for sure, but it's not the same thing that would have happened if he came to Montreal, you know? No, 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 exactly. I mean, it's definitely not a move for the Canadians to make. I mean, giving up a first, second, I mean, who knows what the equivalent is to Verana. It's a very good young player. Um, probably we don't really, like like we say, we don't really even have a comparable. Uh, and, you know, no. so it, it's, it, it would be tough for the Canadians to make that sort of trade. 
so, so then let's talk about the Canadians trade. So they traded basically nothing to get John Merrill. So they, they traded Hayden Verbeek and a fifth rounder. So Verbeek is just a career AHLer. It doesn't move the needle. And, and a fifth rounder. With, with, with the, the picks that the Canadians have at this draft, like, I, like who cares, honestly? Uh, for John um, Merrill, and John, what I always like to do, cause, like, it's not like I watch the Red Wings a lot, you know? It's not like I, I'm super familiar with John Merrill, but I always like to go see what that the fan base he just left, the fans on Twitter or on the message boards have to say. And Detroit fans, I mean, they weren't mad to trade him away because they understand our situation and, they, and, like, it is what it is. But they were kind of bummed that they didn't get one a better return, and they were, like, bummed to see him go. Like, they love this guy. They think he's, he's a really solid defenseman, and... It sounds sounds like someone that could be very very useful for the Montreal Canadiens. Absolutely, I mean, uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, Detroit, their fans were definitely sad to sad to see him go. I mean, definitely for a fifth round, a lot of people thought, you know, from from what I saw on Twitter, people were expecting the uh, Detroit to get maybe a second or third round yeah. pick for him. You know, he's he's basically been one of the bright spots on the on the Detroit. I mean, he's actually a plus player for Detroit. I mean, you know, take it take that with a grain of salt, you know, plus minus, but. But he's been super, super solid for them. He's been a great player. Um, you know, the, I mean, the one thing about Man or not Mantha Merrill is that he's kind of the same defenseman yeah. that we already have, like Sherrod, yeah. Edmondson, even Weber. kind of Kulak. Well, yeah, Weber definitely. Yeah, Weber. Well, Weber's you in know. the same conversation as Sherrod and Edmondson at this point. He's the yeah. same level of player. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess so at this point, pretty much. Um, you know, so they're all sort of, you know, he's not a puck moving defenseman. Yeah. Um, you know, from 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 what I've read, I mean, because yeah, I don't know a whole lot about John Merrill either. Um, you know, he's he he can move the puck a little bit, but I mean, he's you know, he's not uh, he's not an offensive defenseman by any means. He has five assists this season in 36 games, zero goals. Um, you know, so I, I definitely, you know, I think he's going to be an improvement on yeah. Sherratt. Um, you know, an improvement on Kulak for sure. Uh, Where is you know, he... he's definitely improving on is Xavier Ouellette. You know, like if he was able oh, to play yeah. today, if it wasn't for the quarantine, instead of Ouellette. And I know Sherrod's coming back also and all that. But I mean, yeah, I... he slot Merrill into today's game. He can make a big difference. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think he, he probably slots in on the third pairing, um, you know, with Romanov maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think that would make sense. You know, Romanov can – he'll be playing with a, a more defensive-minded defenseman than Merrill. He'll be able to play his game a little bit more, Take maybe take a little bit more chances. Yeah. So I think that'll be a good move for them. I, I really have trouble seeing where Sherratt is going to line up when he comes back. I feel I, the same I, I way, but you one. know, you know yeah. as soon as he's available, he's playing with Shea Weber. He's getting at least one game next to Shea Weber, and 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 they're going to be treated like the number one pair. Like as preposterous as that is, like I don't want them to do that, obviously. But you just know that's what's going to happen. <laughs> Probably, and but the one thing that that makes me think that maybe not is the uh, is the acquisition of Eric Gustafson. Is Eric, Eric Gustafson? I would think probably makes sense to play beside uh, Shea Weber. Because he's obviously an offensive-minded guy. Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, we've talked about this a lot. And, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious Shea Weber needs to play with maybe a guy that's a little bit more offensive-minded. Yeah. A guy that, you know, Shea Weber can stay back. Eric Gustafson can do his and thing up That's front. another thing. Shea Weber needs to stay back more. He's been pinching a lot more. And that needs to stop. Shea, oh, like, absolutely. Shea Weber, why are you trying to rediscover your game at 35? 
Just, <laughs> you're supposed to make your game simpler at this point. You know, like you're you're going in the wrong direction. I see your point though with 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 Gustafson, but here's the thing. I just said did the whole thing with John Merrill about how I like to go see what the other fan base has to say about the the player when you make the move. Oh boy, uh, the fan base that uh, we just uh, traded for Gustafson in Philadelphia—they were not fans of Gustafson at all. The, the 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 threads actually were making me chuckle. I mean, that what the one that got me—I was on a Reddit and the guy said he wouldn't. Uh, he, someone asked him, "Do you trust him to to run a power play?" And he responded, "I wouldn't trust him to run a lemonade stand." That's <laughs> that that that's the level of disdain. This this this, and now of course there's only a few guys, but like uh, defensively, definitely not the most reliable guy. But then you look at his stats, and he's only one season removed from a 60 point season in Chicago. I'm sure you're gonna tell me playing on the power play with Patrick Kane is gonna do that to you, but like. Still, like there's there's potential there that it could be, and and what was it a seventh? Like who ca- who cares? Seventh round pick. Yeah, who and, and, exactly. Who cares? And you never know. You never know. It's worth a shot. And if it does work, and if if Shea Weber can focus on just being a stay at home guy, and he 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 focuses on more being an offensive guy, that that could be very interesting. Get, that could be. And it sounds like Bergevin, from what I understand, tried to sign him before when he was a free yep. agent. But Gustafson chose Philadelphia for, for 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 various reasons over over the Canadians. Yeah, you know exactly. So I mean, obviously, somebody per, uh, you know you would think that Bergevin is uh, familiar with already. Um, you know, having tried to sign him in the in the yeah. past, but yeah, I mean, I th- I think it makes sense. He's he's sort of the puck moving defenseman, and yeah, obviously, I mean, you know, but based on what uh, what the Flyer fans are saying, hasn't gone very well this season for him. But I mean, the Flyers have been as a whole, pretty disappointing. Yeah. Um, so, he, you know, he's not the only one. Um, but, you know, I mean, maybe the change of scenery, playing with the Canadians, playing with Shea Weber, you know, he will hopefully get to do his thing and and hopefully he can bounce back. I'm, obviously, I'm not expecting him to get to, to go back to 60 points a no, season maybe. there. But. And a different system too, right? Because it sounds like, uh, from, from from what I gather, is in, in the Alain Vigneault system, it's like they signed an offensive defenseman, a purely offensive defenseman. Like he is what he is, and they tried to make him into a, like a two-way defenseman or improve his defensive game. Like sometimes there's players that just they are who they are, and like so often, like the the biggest issue I have with a lot of coaches in pro sports in general are the coaches that try to mold players to their system instead of molding their system to the players they have on the team. And yeah, that, I mean, that's what there. I hope to see from Duchamp. Like you bring a guy like 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 Gustafson, maybe like we talked about playing with Shea Weber, tell Shea Weber, stay back. Don't even get past the red line, Shea. Just stay back. And then Gustafson, you can you do go nuts. Don't worry so much about defense. You got Shea Weber protecting you. And, you know, do that. You know, adjust to the players you have, you know? Yeah. I mean, just take a look at, uh, you know, on the same team, Shane Gossens Bear. Mm. You know, he he he's been super successful in the past. You know, had some um, yeah, had, had some fantastic good. seasons. You know, he had 65 points a couple of years ago and fallen off the edge of the earth here, like Shea Weber. So yeah, you know, I mean, uh, hopefully Gustafson can find you know can find his game here in Montreal. I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense to have him play with uh, with Shea Weber. I think they'll complement each other a lot better than Sherrod and Weber do. Absolutely. You know that that then you can have Edmondson and Petrie playing together. I mean, they've obviously had a lot of success together. And then on on that third pairing, you know, you can maybe have a bit of a rotation. You know, you you're gonna have Romanov, you're gonna have Merrill. There's gonna be Kulak, Sherratt potentially every once in a while. So there's a lot of defensemen there. Uh, I mean, some people have talked 
I'm in on Twitter, I don't think it's going to happen. But uh, well, especially with I think Romanov played a lot better the last couple of games. Yeah. Some people playing next to Xavier Willett to too. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, I think playing with someone that that'll complement him better will definitely give him a hand. So yeah, and, you, know, and maybe... you said send him to Laval, right? That's what you said before. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I like I if that happens, I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> I mean, the focus yeah. still needs to be on progressing these players. First of all, you're going to send the the Russian kid to Laval? Like, I don't think Romanov would be the type of guy to be pissed off about it and all that, but you never know, and I'd rather not risk it, <laughs> you know? Like, we've seen we've seen Russian players just be like, yeah, F this, I'm not, I'm not reporting. So, you know, he's playing fine. He, he, can stay, he can stay with the big club, and he's, he's been progressing. Like you said, last few games he's played well, and, like, you know what? The way he manhandled Austin Matthews at the end of the game – on Monday, to me, that like ten seconds alone secures a spot on the team for the rest of the season. Like yeah, I, I mean, want that that passion. Do you see him when they're doing the anthem at the beginning of the game, and then they pan on the bench? He, like like uh, like I like uh, my girlfriend Lily was sitting next to me when we were uh, before the game started, and she was laughing. Who's this guy? Just going crazy, like mouthing to himself every game. He's so hyped to play and. Especially with Gallagher out, we need that energy on this team. We need it badly. I mean, Romanov has to play every night, I think. Yeah, I, and I definitely don't think uh, he should be sent down to Laval. I mean, he should definitely be with the Canadians. I wouldn't be opposed because, I mean, he, yeah, he's he been very good the last couple of games, definitely. But, but before that, th- there were stretches where he sure. definitely was playing like a rookie. Sure. I mean, I, there's nothing wrong with sitting him every once in a while. Yeah, no, sure. No, you're, you're right. And and But, like, as long as there's – like, there's nothing wrong with him playing as a rookie, you know, sometimes because, you know, he, he is a rookie. Yeah, no, of course. The one issue I do have with some of the, you know, the move. Okay, we got Gustafson, we got Merrill, both left-handed defensemen. Yeah. The Canadians now have like I think six NHL left-handed defensemen, to, and on the right side you only have you have Petrie and you have Weber. Yeah. So that makes it obviously a lot harder to take out Weber out of the lineup at this point. Now Romanov is. Well, I mean, you know, say, like, let's not even talk about. There's zero chance Weber gets taken out of this lineup. No, that's true. Like, that's like true. Weber could literally take the puck, turn around, and shoot it in, into his own net, and he still wouldn't get scratched. Like, that's not happening. I mean, he'd probably get scratched for that, though. <laughs> I don't know. Probably. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think his his spot's pretty safe. And then uh, you know, Romanov, I guess, is probably. I mean, he's relatively comfortable on the right side. I don't know. I don't know about the other guys. Kulak has played on the right side from time to time, and uh, you know, he's done a decent job. So that's the thing of the left guys, though. Romanov is probably the one who's looked the most comfortable. But we haven't seen Gustafson or um, or Merrill yet, so maybe they uh, they can get the job done on on the right. I mean, it sounds like Gustafson can't play much defense whether he's on the left side or the right side anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe it doesn't make that much of a difference. Sure. But the one thing though that I I wanted to talk is we, I don't know if we touched on it on the podcast or if it was before when we were talking about if if it keeps going like this we've talked about Benjamin beginning fired I mean Duchamp is still an interim head coach uh, he's not making a great case for himself uh, right now I mean his record right now is worse than what Claude Julien's record when we, when he got fired but someone mentioned like you said the Flyers aren't 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 doing too well you know uh. If Alain Vigneault gets fired at the end of the season from the Flyers and then the Canadians hire him again to be the coach of the Canadians, and I saw someone say that was going to happen on Twitter, and it, what made me so upset about reading that tweet is that I could totally see it happening. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, yeah, you could definitely see it. I mean, they've redone Claude Julien. They've yeah. redone Michel Therrien. 
It's, I'd, I'd rather have. I'd rather keep Deshaun if that's what's going to happen. I, I get the idea. So like what a lot of people are saying is that they want they don't want to lose Bouchard, Joel Bouchard, who's coaching the, the the Rocket, who's doing a great job this year. He's he's proven to be fantastic at developing players. I was just talking about how this team needs to focus on developing their young core. There's a few years away from having a young core to be really good. Bouchard could be really good at that. Do you think he's ready for the NHL? And the thing is, even if, it's not, if he's not, if you if you are, if we're saying we're moving on from Duchamp, I mean, it's, there's not that many French coaches available. And how long before Bouchard gets poached by another team if the Canadians don't give him this chance? It's, it's a good question. I mean, I, I really get the sense that he loves being in Laval and he he loves like working with the kids. Um, so I mean, I I mean, you would think I guess if he got offered the job, he would take it. Yeah, but the one thing I I don't know if he's really like he's kind of like a good coach, a good development coach. I don't know how he's really going to handle veterans because we've seen it in Laval uh, in, over the last yeah. two years that there have been a lot of a lot of veteran players that have have not liked playing for him. And uh, you know you just have to take a look at uh, there was uh, who were the two guys that were traded Phil Veroni and uh, and Riley Barber who two two of the best players on the Rocket at one point they wore the Rocket weren't playing very well and they ended up getting benched and and their ice time getting cut and you know it, it, they ended up being a headache in the locker room and they and they really didn't like playing for for Joel Bouchard and they ended up getting traded and whatever but uh, uh, you know apparently you know what I'm hearing right now though you know what I'm hearing right now is that if Joel Bouchard was coaching the Canadians right now. He wouldn't care what Shea Weber has to say, and he would play him the 12 minutes of games he should be playing. That's what I'm hearing. I yeah, am, maybe well, Shea yeah, Weber wouldn't right. be happy, yeah. but maybe I don't care what Shea Weber make like what makes Shea <laughs> Weber happy. You know, like like that that sounds pretty good to me. And here's the thing: if, if we're talking about working, this is a situation where the kind of season collapses, and we're getting and Dusham is not kind of re-upped. If it's not Bouchard, who is it? Like who is it? Uh, well, the the one coach that I would really like to see the Canadians hired is the the head coach of the Syracuse Crunch, Benoit Giroux. Um He's coached uh, the World Junior Team before. He he's been a coach in the Q before. He's 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 coached very well for Syracuse, so he he would make a lot of sense. See, like moves like that, like I'm I'm down for. I just don't want to go back to. Like, I'm so worried. Like we talked about even firing Bergevin, you know, I, I, at least Bergevin has proven to be able to adjust to the NHL and he hasn't been perfect, but he's made moves that we like and all that. I'm just so worried that this team, if we end up firing both the coach and the, and the GM, we're going to end up firing uh, hiring these kind of old school guys that I can't stand that I feel like has been a plague on this team for so long with the back-to-back old school coaches and, Honestly, personally, like even though it hasn't gone too well with Dusham, like I'm not entirely against giving him like a full off season. Like it's it, it hasn't been horrible. I mean, the season's not over yet. If it's a complete collapse, it's a complete collapse. It is what it is. If it kind of keeps going up and down like it is now, like, like do I want to take a flyer on 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 on, on uh, two other guys that haven't coached in NHL yet either? I definitely don't want to get hire like I said another guy like Alain Vigneault again. So then I'm kind of getting back to Deshaun and being like, you know what? You know, he still has shown some nice flashes and all that. Let's, let's give him a full off season to prepare and, and go from there. Cause it's, it's constantly changing coaches. And maybe the coaches isn't the problem, you know? Yeah, no, you don't want to do that either. No, for sure. Um, yeah, you know, it's it, right now I'm, I'm sort of 50, 50, um, yeah. 
you know, it's, it, we're really going to have to see how these, how the last couple of games go and, and, you know, potentially the playoffs as well. Um, you know, I think if he wins around for sure, you know, for oh, sure. Well, like if, well, obviously, I mean, at Dude, that point, no. it would be against me, please. If the Canadians yeah, make the playoffs and not even win around, if they are competitive, assuming they face the Leafs, if they go six or seven games and it's a competitive series and, I mean, a couple bounces here or there and they could have beat them, uh, then I think his job is safe. Yeah, I think no, both I think jobs that. are safe in that situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they if they somehow miss the playoffs, then all bets are off. I, they could easily both get fired. If they make the playoffs just barely and kind of get swept or kind of get one lucky win on the Leafs and out in five, then, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I feel like there's no guarantees either way. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So, I mean, yeah, we'll we'll have to see how the how the rest of the season goes and, and what they do in the playoffs, if anything. And but uh, yeah, right now you it's it's really fifty fifty, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I I can't wait. I mean, I, I shouldn't even say that. Like, I I can't wait to watch a Canadians game after what I just watched. I don't feel that way at all. But I mean, I I am kind of looking forward to how they're going to respond on Friday because they're playing against Calgary again on Friday. Still in Montreal. I mean, no excuses here. I mean, both teams have the same amount of rest. Just they better come out fucking flying on Friday. I mean, they should be embarrassed by the effort they put forth today. And, and they, it, like, I want to see a team that is hungry and just wanting to demolish Calgary on Friday. I don't necessarily think that's what I'm going to see. But, I mean, that, that, that better be – and they better destroy Ottawa the next day. But I don't, I could see them losing both those games. I, I honestly could. Yeah, they. I mean, they have to win at least one of those two. I mean, especially the game against Calgary. Like, they got to show yeah. something after such a. They bad have to start winning against Calgary because that's how Calgary's going to make it. Yeah. Like, as lo- as small the chances Calgary has of making the playoffs, what's ha- what's giving them a hope is looking at the schedule and seeing they keep playing the Canadians and they keep beating the Canadians. If if the Canadians lose, even not every game, if they lose like there's four in just this month, lose three out of four. It's just getting pretty. It's getting pretty tight. It's getting pretty tight. Yeah. No. So it's uh. It's. I mean, two big games here, and then I mean, they have to beat Ottawa at some point. Yeah. They no, should be sure. beating Ottawa every time. But uh, do you do you think uh, we see uh, Primo finally? Uh. Yeah. I mean, well, definitely one of the games. I'm gonna say he probably plays against Ottawa. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish he had already seen some action. Honestly, I mean, not that anything's been Allen's fault. I don't know. I just kind of want to see Primo play, honestly. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, he hasn't played in a little while. Why not give yeah. him game action? You know, against against the Senators, you know, hopefully should be an easy easier game at least. And then, and the thing with the Senators game is, so the Calgary game is at 6 p.m. and then the Senators game next day at 4 p.m. So not much of a turnaround time there. So you gotta think it's gonna be like unless Price is ready to go from one of those two games, you gotta think Primo is gonna get one of those starts. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, especially with the Rocket only playing like once in the next month or in the next like three or four weeks, whatever. Uh, yeah. To, he, you, you definitely like to see him get a start for sure. And before we move on to the rock, I think you had a couple Twitter questions. I think we might've uh, already covered what the questions yeah, were. We've, yeah. We've sort of already touched on it, but uh, yeah, we can get to the Twitter questions. Um, so we did get uh, two Twitter questions. Um, so actually we, okay. So uh, we got a question here from Doug Lowry. Um, so at Lowry Doug and Twitter. So is Weber done? He looks absolutely finished. He can't even play D anymore. Has he aged 17 years this off season? And we got actually a couple of, uh, a couple of follow-up comments, I guess. Um, so from NHL trade of the day at, of 
underscore NHL. Uh, time for him to slide to third pairing in less minutes. Uh, we also got from Etienne Ferland. I would be shocked if they scratched Weber unless they want to rest him just before the playoffs. Uh, we got another one from uh, Matt Godbu. Um, so habit forming one on Twitter. Scratched. He should be sent to the ECHL with a giant slingshot. <laughs> uh, okay, obviously that's a bit of a. Obviously, he's not going to the ECHL or yeah. the AHL for that matter. But, but one thing that he did mention, though, that, that I definitely agree with is so many other D have taken the shitty end of their mistakes, and Shea Butter Weber seems to slide right on by, which yeah. is definitely fair. Because a lot of, I mean, just take a look at Victor Mete. It yeah. seemed like every time he made a small mistake, even though, you know, he wasn't playing too bad, makes a small mistake, he get benched for a couple of games. Yeah. Yeah, Same I, thing I, with. You know, Otto Liskin in two, he got one game. I thought, you know, he made a couple of mistakes, but he wasn't really that too bad. He's been the be- one of the best eight player, uh, one of the best defensemen in the AHL all season. And, well, he's who knows if he's going to be playing with the Canadians again at this point. Yeah, I mean, and, and we've de- definitely already covered this in this podcast. If you've been listening, you know Doug and everyone else that come commented there. I 100% agree with you. Like, it's... I just... And, and like, we've, ta- been, we've been talking about this the whole season. Honestly, even when it was going well, you could tell Shea Weber had lost his step. It was clear. Mm. And I don't think he's necessarily finished. Like, obviously, that user was joking with the with the, the ECHL thing and all that. But it's just you need to give him the minutes he can it, – it's, it's like it's the equivalent – of if we were playing Corey Perry 25 minutes a game, or if, or, or Eric Stahl 25 minutes a game, or in Toronto if they th- they 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 kept playing Joe Thornton above Austin Matthews and, and things like that, like it's it's just at some point these elite players lose a step, and the really good ones oftentimes can k- still be useful pieces to their team because they're such smart players, they have that experience, and and they they can still be good in a limited role. That's it. Just give him a limited goddamn role. Yeah, I mean, that, exactly. Exactly. You know, he's he's obviously not the same player he was. He, We need to limit him a little bit. I mean, he definitely shouldn't be playing first uh, first pairing minutes at this point. Oh, also, um, no more power play. No more power play, please. The, the, the power play dies on his stick. His, his slap shot is not what it used to be. Sure, sometimes he scores because, like, sometimes he hits the net accidentally and it goes in. Like, good for him. And, like, I, I, at best I would give him, like – like the last kind of 20 seconds, you know, like when of the power, like things like that. But like, I'd rather see Romanov on the power play. I'd obviously rather see Petrie on the power play and, and I'd rather see an extra forward like Shea Weber. First of all, it's an opportunity for him to get less minutes and he just, he just doesn't need to need to be out on the power play at all. No, no, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe from time, 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 you know, from time to time, if, if it's really yeah. not working, yeah. you know, you can maybe put him out there, but no, definitely not on yeah. a regular basis. And you often see him starting the power play, which is, it just drives me crazy that and starting the goddamn game or, yeah. or the period. Like, no, stop it. Like, stop it. Are you not watching the games? That that's why I'm convinced these are all Shea Weber's decisions. Cause like, it's, I don't think Jusham's an idiot, you know, or, or, uh, what's his name? Uh, the defensive coach, I'm, I'm blaming yeah. Richardson. Like, like they, they can see what's happening too. They're not stupid, but like they must be scared of Shea Weber, you know, his angry man mountain and all that crap. <laughs> and then the uh, the second Twitter question we got also from Doug Lowry: Why does Kukiniemi keep getting different wingers every single game? Hard to establish chemistry and is pretty frustrating considering how well he is playing. Yeah, definitely agree. 
I mean, that, that's um, been a positive, honestly. One of the few positives is even though Kotkaniemi is not getting that many points, he, first of all, I swear to God, Kotkaniemi could have like 20 more assists this year. How many oh. beautiful passes have just died on the snake that it ended up on? Like the best example was last game when Anderson somehow hit the post, which almost cost Kenyans the game. Like I don't want to shit on Anderson too much because he was a bright spot in that game, obviously, and had an opportunity today, but... It's frustrating the wingers and all that, but the thing is, he's, he's, no matter who he plays with, as long as he's at center, he's he, it's going well. Like I've loved the progression of Kotkaniemi this year, absolutely loved it. I'm convinced he's going to be a number one center for years for this team. Absolutely. I mean, we saw it. You know, we saw last year in the bubble. You know, the the big improvements that he made, and I mean, this season, I mean, you know, he's maybe you know he he hasn't necessarily like you said he hasn't necessarily put up the points. But I mean, I think he's gotten better, and definitely yeah. didn't show tonight. But he's gotten better in the defensive, in the um, in the face-off circle, uh, and he's definitely better in the defensive zone as well. So he's becoming more of an all-around player. And yeah, I, I mean, I I think he's, you know, this uh, arguably, I think he's maybe surpassed Suzuki at this point. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I whether or not he surpassed him now, you know. I do think I'm pretty convinced now that he has the the the, the he's going to end up the the the, the, the stronger player. Uh, not to take anything from away from Suzuki, like he might he has a bit of sophomore slump things going here and there, while still putting up points though Suzuki Suzuki. So like it seems to be like I'm not worried about Suzuki. He'll be fine. But like as a one-two punch down the middle for for the next like seven to ten years, I mean I think we could be really really set at center. That's that's what makes me hopeful for this team. Uh, moving forward, but cut Kanemi, I swear it hasn't happened yet. But like he, for, the one thing that I'd like to see him tweak is that the release on his shot. It just it takes him like a half second too long, and, and it's like you, you can see, tell from watching the game about a half second, a second before he shoots that he's about to shoot, and he gets his shots blocked a lot and all that, or the, or the goalie ends up in, in the in the good position for the save. I think he's gonna as soon as he figures that out. He's going to start scoring more, and he's going to start getting more. Like he should already have more assists this year. I, I, I really think he's, he's, he's poised to break out sooner or later. Like to have a true, like an offensive breakout where he starts piling up the goals and and the assists. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely. He's, I mean, he's got such a, he, he does have a very weird release. Yeah. But when he hits the net, I find like it's his, it's so deceptive. The like his shot, it's kind of hard to tell where it goes. Yeah. Like, like as a goalie, like I like it would be a nightmare trying to stop his shot. Like it seems like it, yeah, like like I said, it's so predictable. Like you can't really read it coming off his stick either. So, yeah, I mean, it, I think once he really figures it out, he could put up a lot of goals. And like you said, I mean, he should have more assists than he yeah. than he does have this season. Yeah. So I mean, it, we didn't really talk too much about that specific question about the wingers. I mean, I, I get that that's annoying, but. I'm not too worried because it hasn't affected his progression. Like same as the him playing as a winger for a couple of games, he still looked fine, but, and he. I still don't like it long term, but like he can't. I would love seeing him back at center and not missing a step, you know. So I'm not concerned about Kakinyani at this point, you know. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, the. I mean, you definitely don't want to be changing wingers all the time, but I get. I think maybe over the last couple of games, because you know Gallagher was hurt, and then yeah. our, our, the whole thing with Armia, of course. Now Armia's back. Yeah. So and then Stall, you know, they're trying to integrate him in there as well. Um, but so. I, I, w- I would keep it as it is, honestly. I'm, I'm enjoying the Dwayne Anderson, and it was definitely the, the, the best, I think, offensive line on, on, on Monday. They looked good at the beginning of this game, and then the whole team kind of fell off. But. Uh, I would keep them together for a bit. For, I think those three. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, hopefully, I mean, like you said, they look pretty good tonight for the most part. So hopefully they keep it going and uh, and Anderson can actually put it in the back of the net. I mean, he has he has been scoring a few. I mean, he scored uh, like last game the game went goal. Yeah. Right? It's just that that post. I mean, I when he hit that post on the open net, I was convinced the the, the Canadians were going to lose on Monday. Like I was convinced uh, <laughs> the Leafs were going to tie it up and then we were, they were going to lose. Obviously happy that that's not what happened, but he's got to put that in. Like Anderson, you're here, you're here because you're a goal scorer. You got he got to score that goal. Uh, Plus, I right. my pool, so I could yeah, use well, that. I, mean, I could not care less about that, but yeah, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> uh, and so, I mean, aside from that, we talked about Caulfield a little bit uh, already, but uh, I mean, Caulfield, I mean, if you didn't watch those games, at the very least, go catch those highlights. Just right away, stepping into the AHL and just he 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 looked like the best player on the ice in his in his first game, not missing a step at all. I mean, it's one game. I mean, of course, we saw the thing happen with Paling before, but it, it, it's not a fluke with Caulfield. Like he's this good. He's this no. good. Oh, well, it's, I mean, it's two games, right? So, I mean, he's got three goals in two games. Yeah, I guess he scored game winner in both goals. Yes, yeah. or a game winner in both games. So uh, yeah, I mean, and he just looks so confident, so. He's just—he just looks dominant, like like you said. I mean, he looked already in his first two games. He he really looked like the best player out there on the ice. Yeah. And, and I want to give a shout out to Michael Pozzetta. Is that his name? But yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for for defending him when that bozo Rich Clooner, whatever his name is, uh, kind of took a run at, at Caulfield, and Caulfield's only been there for for two seconds, and Pozzetta right away went and fought for for him and defended him. So I do, I do like seeing that because that's the one thing that kind of sucks about the AHL is that yes. you end up, you, you, you try to, to you want to send your guys like Caulfield there to, to have them kind of, you know, progress or whatever or learn the pro game and blah, blah, blah. But then you have guys like Clune on the other team taking runs at them because they think it's fucking funny, I guess, you know? No, I know. Yeah, like you said, I mean, that's that's the one thing that, that, that scares me about having Caulfield there in the AHL is, yeah, I mean, every team has their has their goons. I mean, you know, we have we have our goons too in uh, in Michael Pozzetta and Brandon Baddock. Uh, so I mean, you know, hopefully they'll be able to uh, to defend him. But you know, I mean, we've seen it already. I mean, they, they they've dealt with a couple of injuries. Jesse Alonen took a bad hit, and he's been out for a while. Um, you know, I mean, Brian Paling last I think it was last season. You know, he he dealt with a concussion as well from from taking a bad hit. So yeah. you know, I mean, you don't you don't want to see that. I mean, especially you know, he's a smaller guy. It's, I mean, yes, he's going to have to get used to the pro game and playing with bigger players, but you know, in the NHL, it's not really like, like you don't really have goons. There, there, there's more cheap shots in the AHL for sure. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, it's guys, guys like Michael Pozzetta and, and Rich Clune that are trying to, exactly. you know, keep them, keep themselves relevant and trying to stay. Exactly. In, in, in because that, that, that's the, that's their role, right? And like, and like the, the, the goon role kind of has gone the way the Dodo bird in the NHL. But in AHL, it's very much still alive and well, and you know it's it's yeah. still around. So, and the thing is too, like now the news that we got is that uh, the Marlies, who is who the the Rocket were meant to play the next few games against, are shut down because of COVID, which means the Rocket aren't playing. The, the, I think they have one game left this month, and they're not they're not playing it until the very end of the month on twenty eighth, I think. So, yeah. Well, so what do you do? Do you need Caulfield in the AHL? Yeah. Do you call him up to at least practice with the team? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, I mean, they're they're playing on the 21st against Belleville, uh, and then they're playing after that. They're not playing again till I believe it's the 30th. Um, so I mean, you're playing one game in basically 
two, three, two, two and a half, three weeks here. So, yeah, I mean, I, you would think that, I mean, especially if the Canadians aren't, aren't scoring, yeah. Gallagher's injured, might be a good time to call up Caulfield, give him a shot. You know, why not? You know, give him a couple of games, maybe uh, have him, you know, maybe not even play, like you said, maybe just practice with the team. And then, you know, once once the team is bad, once Laval starts playing again, then, you know, if if it didn't work out, if he if he hasn't lit up the NHL then uh, send him back down to Laval. At the very least, it would give me a reason to be excited to watch the games. (laughs) And I think that that should matter, you know. Yeah, I mean, let's, you know, let's see some of the some of the youngsters play now. I mean, uh, hopefully we're going to see Primo in the ne- in the next couple of days, and let's see Caulfield as well. We already got Romanov up here. Why not? And and like we talked about Primo playing against Ottawa. I mean, that's a perfect game for Caulfield to show up too, right? Like, it, it's it, it Ottawa is, is still an NHL team. Don't get me wrong, but it's not not the same level of team. Even though the Canadians can't play well against them, but it's a perfect kind of game to to slot in your 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 kid for his first game. Saturday in the in Montreal. I mean, there's no fans, obviously, but I mean, that I just he he he's earned it too at this point. You know, like there's no point in him spending a week doing nothing. I mean, of course they're they're still practicing with the team and all that, but just call him up, give him a few games, and I I hope they they do. I hope I wake up tomorrow to a to a notification saying that Caulfield's been uh, has been called up to the big club. I think that would be fantastic news. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, definitely would love to see it and. Uh... Yeah, I would love to see what he could do. Uh, who knows? Maybe playing with Caulfield, uh, not with Caulfield, playing playing with Kutkiniemi or Suzuki. I mean that that I mean I just said I don't want to separate the Kutkiniemi line. We talked about giving him yeah, new line mates constantly and all that, but but yeah, yeah, I do it for Caulfield because I think those two can end up because I think Kutkiniemi long term, like if we're talking about like what we think this team's going to look like in the next two years or whatever, and the top three guys, forward guys, is Suzuki, it's Kutkiniemi, it's Caulfield. To me, it makes a lot more sense to to start creating some chemistry between Kotkaniemi and Caulfield than Suzuki and Caulfield because, I mean, we, we don't want to talk too much about the size thing and all that. We know it's not that big of an issue. They should still be able to 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 do well uh, on on the big club. But um, Kotkaniemi just makes so much more sense for for for, for Caulfield, you know, and, and he's a playmaker. And uh, I mean, w- while we're finishing up the podcast here, actually, um, I just pulled up here, and apparently, we're not going to be seeing Caden uh, Primo. Uh, playing on Saturday, I'm assuming Price is feeling better because the Canadians have assigned Otto Liskinen and Caden Primo to the AHL. So, Caden Primo got called up just to have a the best seat in the house, I guess, to to watch these uh, pathetic Habs games. Uh well, that uh, yeah, that well, that's that that definitely sucks, especially with them. Well, I'm assuming he's going to be starting on the uh, on the 21st when they play, but uh, yeah. yeah, well, that that definitely kind of sucks. I would have liked to see him get a game. Uh, for but, sure. I mean, I like, I don't see why not. Like I, that that's a decision I'm really disappointed. In. Like there's a back to back game and and it's not it, once again it's not that Allen was bad, but just give him nope. a game. And even Leskin and you t- you touched on it t- like, before, and I kind of forgot almost forgot about Leskin because I was like, oh, the, the players they acquired was. But today Leskin should have played over Wallet. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, definitely. Come definitely. On. I mean, like I said, I mean Leskin has been the best player, definitely the best player at least the best defenseman for the Rockies been one of the best defensemen in the, yeah. uh, you know, in the, in the whole AHL. Well, that's been maybe the worst defenseman on the Rockets so far <laughs> this season. And he hasn't looked better with the Canadians. So <sighs> yeah, I don't so know like, why, why then? Play. Why is he like, I don't get it because he has NHL experience. Like who cares? Play the player who's better. Yeah. Like, it's uh, so uh, frustrating. I don't know. 
It's it's moves like that that tells me that this team needs a completely new, like from top to bottom, new blood to come in because it's just like they're still stuck on thinking maybe Wellet is better than Leskinen because Wellet was better than Leskinen two years ago. You know, like I don't know. No, it's definitely annoying. But uh, anyway, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, you you cut off there on my end a little bit. So I don't know what you said. I'm assuming it wasn't that uh, interesting anyway. So uh, I think that does it for uh, uh, this week's uh, episode. I mean, hopefully, like let, let's say this: if they win on uh, like when are they playing? So if they win on Monday, because we're not going to do it on Sunday. We never do it on the weekend. But if they win on Monday against the Oilers, we'll we'll do the podcast on Tuesday so we can be happy for once. They don't, then we can wait until Thursday. And so hopefully they win on Wednesday. But if they also lose on Wednesday, we'll just we're gonna have to be depressed. It is what it is. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, if they give us a, give us a follow on Twitter at the Habs Forum and on Facebook, and uh, and we'll let you guys know when the next episode is. All right. So uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.